Hello, and welcome to So You Think You Can Rule Persia, the podcast where we rate and review all the kings of Persia from Diochis to Yazdegerd III. I'm Serial, and my pronouns are they, them. And I'm Umberto, and my pronouns are he, him. Okay, so hello everybody, and welcome to episode 31, Demetrius I, Soter, where we will find out what happens to this guy who came all the way from Rome and is now here in Antioch to play with us. Wait, Soter, didn't we have... Let me get we my notes. We did already have a Soter, yes. Can yeah. you zoom Let back? Let me remember what that meant. Uh, last time was <laughs> Eupator, right? Eupator was Antiochus V, yes, correct. Yeah. Uh, child, Epifaner, Philopator, Keraunos, Kalinikos. Where is it? Oh, Soter, yeah. Antiochus I. Back at the very start of our dynasty. I have down what Soter meant, because I am so smart. Soter means... The savior. So we'll get to see who Demetrius is saving who from. Yeah. Oh my god! I. I, <laughs> I just, just remembered remember, who Demetrius is? Yeah, I just remember who Demetrius is. And I'm like, he's not gonna yeah. save anybody. I. Excuse me. Well, you'll see. Bootlicker. Maybe you misjudged him last time. Who knows? Did I? Are you sure? <laughs> well, we'll see his version of the story now, and we'll see. Well. Is he that bad? Is he worse? Is he better? Demetrius the first Sotur in quotation marks. Correct. Because I believe nothing. <laughs> oh boy. I am so not ready for this. I just got filled yeah. with all the hatred that left me in the last episode <laughs> and I just... Yeah, so let's briefly recap what happened last episode, and then we can look at it through Demetrius's eyes. <laughs> so last episode we had Antiochus V, and he became king at a tender age. He was a child at the time, mm-hmm. and he was under the regency of a man called Lysias. Now, Lysias and Antiochus V tried to govern the empire reasonably well, they managed to obtain a peace in Judea. It wasn't a very favorable peace, but... They mm. got peace in the end. I guess you can count that. Yeah, it's better than nothing. Mm-mm. They fought a mini civil war with this general called Philip who had Antiochus IV's ring. Oh, yeah. It ended soon. It was fine. And then everything went to hell when the Romans arrived, as it usually does. Damn Romans. Because Romans inspectors showed up and they ordered Antiochus to obey a treaty that his grandfather had signed and was yeah. technically no longer valid. Antiochus and Lysias folded, but there was a riot that killed one of these Romans. Then time passed, and Demetrius showed up at the gates of Antioch with a small army. Mm, look who it and is. the people inside the city turned on their king, let Demetrius in, and Antiochus V and Lysias were both killed. Hooray, Demetrius is king now. I hate that. I hate it. I still think this should not have happened. <laughs> a lot of things shouldn't have happened, but might this have is a the lot to do with in. me just not liking Demetrius. But you know, we all have our faults. <laughs> well, we'll see if you feel some sympathy for him. I didn't have this visceral dislike during the research, so let's see if you can pick it up. Okay, so let's get started with Demetrius's life. Hooray! <laughs> Hooray! I am ecstatic. Yay. Yay. 
So Demetrius was born in 185 BC as the son of Seleucus IV and his sister Laodike, as pretty much every other king at this point. God, I hate that. (laughs) I hate that too. Oh, it's only going to get worse, Ariel. Don't Uh, worry. Why? (laughs) We learned one thing from the Ptolemies and it was the wrong thing. Uh... (laughs) So, if you'll remember, as part of keeping up relations with the Romans, Demetrius was sent over to Rome as a hostage at the tender age of seven years old. He was exchanged for his uncle Antiochus IV and little Demetrius goes off to Rome to grow up and potentially be threatened with death if that would be useful to the Romans. Yeah. Because that's why he's there. He's just leverage. Yes, he is a small child to be used as leverage. Then Demetrius grows up, and when he's about 10 years old, he receives news that, oh, your father's dead. Mm. We all know that you're meant to be the king according to the line of succession, but your little brother Antiochus the child's going to be king now. And then he looks around and says, oh no, bad news. Turns out Antiochus the child has been killed by Antiochus IV. He's now king. Sorry about the misunderstanding earlier. Ah, everything's going swimmingly. So that's not great, you know. As a 10-year-old, you realize that your baby brother and father have died. Some say murder. Not ideal. Not the best for a growing young child. But then, well, time passes and Tychus IV rules and uh, little Demetrius grows up. Don't really hear much about him, but 12 years pass and Demetrius grows up into a grown man. As one does. As one does. Fortunately, unlike his brother, he managed to actually grow up into a man Mm. and not remain a child forever. Mm -hmm. And at this point, when uh, Demetrius is roughly 22, 21, thereabouts, he hears that, oh, hey, Antiochus IV is dead. And Antiochus V, who is a child, is now on the throne. So we get back to last episode's story. Yeah. Okay, but what is... Demetrius doing in Rome all this time. Well, we know that he was probably just being raised in Rome as a noble of some sort. He was not treated as royalty because, well, Rome doesn't have royalty. They just have hostages. But he was doing well enough that there's no real reason to complain. He was rich, well cared for. Sure, there was a threat of death at any moment, but... A political eh. prisoner, right? So Yeah, I mean, being a king is probably just as lethal, so... Might as well not have the responsibility. And from his time in Rome, we have a small anecdote by Diodorus, who tells us of a meeting that young Demetrius had in his teens. Oh, goody. Yes, because one day we're told that Ptolemy VI, the ruler of Egypt that was defeated by Antiochus IV, one of the many Ptolemies, Mm -hmm. we know him, we tolerate them. There we are. (laughs) So one day... Demetrius was just outside Rome, and he met Ptolemy, who was just going into the city. And seeing Ptolemy, he was kind of shocked, because he saw that, oh, that's weird, Ptolemy isn't really dressed like a king, or all fancy, or, you know, followed by many retainers. Ptolemy's just on his own with a few guards, and he doesn't really have much royal jewelry, and he's on foot, he doesn't even have a horse. Uh, uh, how did he- okay, so- how did he recognize Ptolemy? Because this is not like you have pictures of people, you know, around uh, to recognize them by well. face. It is a famous person, but even yeah. famous people like kings. like Maybe he saw him on some Egyptian such, coins. Like, yeah. 
Maybe there was a servant saying, hey, you watch yourself. This is King Ptolemy. Oh, I see. Because it's not like you could just randomly, like, especially if he was, like you said, not dressed in fancy clothes, not having, like, his servants around. Like, how would you know? You, like, you didn't yeah, know the faces of people yeah. unless you had seen them before, so. Yeah, there's no specification on how he, he was recognized. I assume mm. Ptolemy had at least one servant that said, hey, this is King Ptolemy. Yeah, I know he looks bad, but don't mm. don't mention it. He's sensitive, that sort of thing. I press X to doubt, is <laughs> all I'm gonna say. Fair enough. But at seeing King Ptolemy so poorly treated, Demetrius thinks, well... I know what it's like to be poorly treated and not mm-hmm. be given your rank. Oh, please. Bro, so go- <laughs> he just... I cannot. <laughs> so he goes up to Ptolemy and gives him a nice royal outfit with some jewelry befitting his station, a diadem, and a nice valuable horse so that, you know, he can enter Rome as a king. He doesn't have to bow like, and scrape to these Romans. First of all, is this actually Ptolemy or is this just a random dude? And also... <laughs> I mean, that's a possibility. <laughs> and secondly, like, was he just trying to be inconspicuous? Because, like, if Ptolemy is here without, like, all the fanfare, maybe he's just trying to, you know, go unnoticed? Well, that's sort of what happens, kind of. <laughs> because... Ptolemy thanks the young Demetrius and says, okay, I really appreciate this. You know, it's great that you're being all all hospitable. Tell nobody that I am here. But it's not so much a secret. It's more that Ptolemy is coming there because he just lost his kingdom to his brother. Yeah, that's what I figured. Yeah. And he's going to Rome to please, pretty please, give me back my kingdom. I don't have anything. We are running away. Please, I'm sorry. Yeah. And yeah, so he says that it wouldn't really look good if he came to Rome asking for money, dressed in beautiful, glorious clothes. Yeah. And it's better if he just looks poor and sad. Yeah. But, you know, it's still not great that the former Hellenistic kings need to bow and scrape before Rome, saying, please, Rome, can I have the kingdom that I've inherited, please? Yeah. Pathetic. But yeah, it's kind of embarrassing that we're reduced to this. You don't say. oh it'll get worse oh god (laughs) yeah I don't like this but we'll get to fight back in a hundred years or something maybe if everything goes well (laughs) but anyway this anecdote finishes Ptolemy eventually managed to gain his throne back thanks to Roman support hooray hooray off we go but as I mentioned earlier, in 164, Demetrius hears that Antiochus IV is dead. Ah. So Demetrius goes up to the Senate and says, Okay, fine. I was your hostage legally these past years because there was a king and... Fine. Okay. Water under the bridge. But now that Antiochus IV is dead, I'm the only adult male Seleucid, so... Can I has? Maybe just let me go home and I can give you another hostage if you need... Whatever, just, you know, I'm meant to be the king. Please just let me leave. How optimistic of him. (laughs) Yeah, the Senate just glances over at him, says, no, no, next. I mean, I don't know what he expected, you know? Yeah, because, you know, a young ambitious king is a lot more dangerous in charge of the second power in the Mediterranean compared to a child. Yeah. So the Romans are not interested at all in letting like, Demetrius did he really rule, think so bye-bye. That they wanted to help him? Come on. 
uh, you know, he thought maybe this time they'd follow Spend one of together. their deals. Who oh. knows? But no. So Demetrius waits around a couple more years, and he's sort of fuming, because, you know, he's 23, there's a child in Antioch. I should be ruling, what am I doing here? Come on. I'm not even useful as leverage. I'm the king's cousin. Yeah. What am I even doing here? Well, be glad that you're not dead already, because, like, they could have gotten tired of your antics by now. (laughs) That's true. That sounds Roman. You know, I mean, like, I don't know if he thinks that, oh, we're just best buddies and they love having me here. Like, yeah, I mean, he probably just thinks that the Seleucid Empire did nothing wrong. The deal was, yeah, the firstborn son of the king has to go. Yeah. Uh, You tell yourself that. Yeah, yeah. the Romans aren't great at remembering their deals, but <laughs> oh well. I mean, they are great at not remembering the ones that they don't want to remember, you know? Yeah. I feel like exactly. they know they know which ones to remember, which ones to not. Yeah, there's something from a few episodes down that exactly addresses that, which I'm excited to tell <laughs> it's you. It's like, oh, but we, we forgot there. because it just happens to be convenient to us. Sorry. Ah, oh, damn. Uh, my memory loss. My very However, this memory other loss. deal from like three generations ago that benefits us, this one, this one is important. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, since you're talking about that specifically, now hey, that is go. the next point in Demetrius' story because <laughs> Demetrius gets news from Antioch saying the Roman ambassadors sent to enforce the treaty, one of them was murdered. Right. And now the Senate is grumbling and unhappy with the government in Antioch. Demetrius now has a decision. So he goes to his friends and tries to discuss, okay, what should I do? Should I go to the Senate and say, hey, these guys are clearly anti-Roman, I'll be your pro-Roman guy? Or should I just leave now that they don't support Antiochus V and try and take the throne for myself? Well, we're told that Polybius, our historian, our source, was a personal Mm -hmm. friend of Demetrius. And Polybius told Demetrius, hey, listen, don't go to the Senate. They're just going to say no. (laughs) Just run away, make a plan, and smuggle yourself off to Antioch. There you'll be king. They won't be able to touch you anymore. This is your chance. But another of Demetrius' friends, which is unnamed. Oh, for a reason? Or? Uh, just not recorded. Mm. Who knows? Because that would be really mean, you know. Like my other (laughs) friend who shall remain nameless. I mean, Polybius <laughs> personally knew him, so maybe he just decided to purposefully not record his name. <laughs> no, screw that guy. Maybe. Petty. This other guy tells Demetrius, yeah, no, don't run away behind Rome's back. When they find out that you ran away, they're going to be very mad at you. They'll do anything they can to replace you. Even if you do take the throne, they'll try and take you off it as soon as possible. Mm. I love that it's not if they find out, but when they find out, you know. It's going to be hard to ignore the hostage that yeah. was gone from, from Rome. It's like, ah, damn. It's not an inconspicuous guy. Especially if, like, he makes it to the throne, right? Yeah, exactly. It's going to be like, huh, wait, wasn't he in our basement? Oh, <laughs> oh damn. Oh, dear. He is around, damn. So, Demetrius, in the end, decides, you know what? It's probably best to be cautious. I'll go to the Senate and ask them. Mm-hmm. So he goes to the Senate, makes a big speech, says, listen. These guys are clearly anti-Roman. I'd be your pro-Roman hand in the Eastern Mediterranean. I'd help you out. We can be the two greatest power in the Mediterranean. Complement each other. That'll be great. 
What do you say? With our powers combined, we shall rule over the universe. <laughs> yes, we'll rule the galaxy as father and son. <laughs> well, uh, the Senate says, I mean, we don't like Antiochus V anymore. We're not going to support him, but you're still an adult and vaguely capable. So no, you're staying mm -hmm. as our hostage. You Bye. are not a better option. Sorry. Yeah. Ouch. So Demetrius decides to take Polybius's advice. And I love how Polybius in the text basically says, and Demetrius then realized that Polybius was right the whole time, so he <laughs> followed his advice. <laughs> I love that. That is so petty. And you know, yes. after a while, this idiot finally realized that he's an idiot, and so now we're doing the correct thing. Yeah, he knows that maybe, since I'm writing the histories, I kind of know how these things work, so he should have followed my advice, maybe. <laughs> right, Demetrius? Uh, yeah. Demetrius is not, you know... The brightest. It's fine. So Polybius agrees to help heist Demetrius out of Rome and over to Syria. And we get a great scene because Polybius is writing about how all the heist happened. And it's great. Because Polybius introduces Demetrius to an envoy of Ptolemy VI. Remember the guy who was poorly dressed, but now he's king of Egypt again. And they hire a Carthaginian ship at the port at Ostia that will take this uh, Ptolemaic envoy back to Egypt. So nobody's going to think that's straight, because, you know, he's an ambassador, he's going back to Egypt, that's normal and fine. So Demetrius then decides to organize a party at one of his friends in the countryside, so he can get out of Rome, he was allowed to do that, you know, he was allowed to move around in a certain amount. So Demetrius goes to this party with four different friends, and at this party, he and each of his friends decide to send one slave each to prepare their arrival in a nearby Roman town for a hunting trip, while the four of them were planning to board the ship and escape. Now, apparently Polybius, our historian, was sick at the time, so he couldn't really help with the preparations. Aww. Which is a shame. Sad. But apparently Demetrius was well known for drinking too much, and Polybius was worried that he'd get too drunk and forget about the plan. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Fair enough. He's like, okay, cool. So Polybius sent Demetrius a letter with literary quotes telling him, Be brave in your mission and stay sober this night. No, seriously, it's important. Otherwise, you're not going to be king. Remember this. We have one shot at this. I love this. I love that Polybius is like, I, I need this to work because like it will benefit me. But like this, this man. I, why? Why? I know what you're like, my dude. Do, do not. not. Please do not. That's hilarious. Remember Pompeii 27? Yeah, don't. Don't do that. <laughs> Just like... I, <laughs> we've been friends long enough that I know <laughs> that you will f*** this up. Please. Please, I'm begging you. This one time. Please, just this one time. Okay, so, so does Demetrius get drunk? No, Demetrius actually follows his friend's oh advice. Oh he... yay. He's learned. Yeah, he excuses himself from the party, he says he's not feeling too well, and he leaves it with his co-conspirators. And he sends off the four slaves as planned. Now, at this point, the Ptolemaic ambassador, who was meant to travel on the ship to Egypt, wrote to the captain of the ship saying, Hey, I'm not going to make it this night, but some of my soldiers, quote-unquote, are going to be going on the ship ahead of me. Make sure they have a cabin. Right. And the captain presumably thought, 
I don't care. I've been paid in advance. I'll carry <laughs> whatever you want me to carry. Fair. And so Demetrius and friends, at around two in the morning, boarded the ship at Ostia. And at dawn, they set sail for Egypt. Finally, Demetrius was free and no longer a hostage. After 14 years, two-thirds of his life spent as a hostage in Rome. Very cool that the plan worked out. Yeah. But of course, four days later, when Demetrius was already past Sicily, so safe and far away, Mm -hmm. the Senate received news that, oh, by the way, your very valuable hostage is gone. (laughs) He's no longer there. Uh... Yeah. Because, well... Demetrius' slaves became worried that the master never arrived for the hunting trip, and they sounded the alarm. Mm -hmm. In the end, the Senate didn't really pursue Demetrius, mostly because they couldn't. It's hard to find one ship in all the Mediterranean. So, you know, by the time they get something in order, he'll be in Egypt already. But they resolved to keep an eye on him and, you know, exact revenge whenever possible. So finally, Demetrius arrives in Antioch. He has a small army with him. It's unclear where this army came from. It could either be the Seleucid army that partially revolted to his side. It could be some mercenaries he bought with treasure from some friends. It could be foreign aides. Maybe Ptolemy VI was there to help him out. But in the end, as we saw last time, the city of Antioch opens its gates to Demetrius and... He has both Antiochus V and the regent Lysias executed. So now Demetrius is at last king. Finally, his throne is his after all these years. The pain. Yes, it took a while, but we got there. So okay, is Demetrius going to be any good at ruling the empire now? Is he going to be better than what happened before him? Who knows? Oh, I know. (laughs) No, I actually don't. (laughs) Please tell me. I am just so judgmental towards him. I don't like him. (laughs) The poor man. Uh, This guy. We'll see. So, once he comes to the throne in Antioch, Demetrius hands over to Jessica a very valuable crown and the murderer of the Roman ambassador and tells her, okay, go to Rome, tell the Senate, hey, can we be friends? I remember you said that I shouldn't leave Rome and I wasn't going to be king, but I'm king now. You can't do anything about it. How about we make the best of it? It happened anyway. Oopsie. So Jessica goes over, hands over this crown and the murderer. Right. But the Roman Senate isn't crazy convinced. Oh, surprise. Yeah, they refuse to take the supposed murderer. And when Jessica goes to take the crown and bring it back, the Senate says, no, 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 no. The crown is precious. We're keeping that. Thank you very (laughs) much. (laughs) You go home with your dude. We're going to mull this over for a while. This will have no terrible consequences, I'm sure. No, never. When have the Romans ever been vengeful? (laughs) So, now that Demetrius is king, he needs a way to prove his legitimacy to all the empire. You know, he's king, yes, because his father was Seleucus IV. Yes, because his grandfather was Antiochus the Great. But needs to show that, no, he's here. For real, he's not going to bend down to the Romans. He's going to make sure that the Empire is going to run properly, unlike the previous kings. Right. I'm sure that will go fine. Yeah. So what is a pain point in the Empire where you could try and find an easy victory serial? Can you think of anywhere? (laughs) The 
first thing that came to mind was Egypt, but then you said easy victory, so I'm like, hmm. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> smaller is, fish, smaller yeah, fish. Yeah, it, it was more in the sense of, like, there's always something going on in Egypt. Yeah, definitely, but it's a bit too ambitious as a first project. Let's maybe so what start did we, more. But you mean as in, like, conquering, right? Not just conquest, just oh. a military victory that can make things. Well, yeah, that's look what good. I mean. Like military, not like oh, yeah, let's yeah. fix, I don't know, infrastructure or something. Yeah, no, it's just something flashy you can tell everybody. Oh, look what I did. What did we? Did we lose Babylon? Like, did Babylon's ha- still in the empire? Okay. The East is barely holding on. We have a tenuous peace in Judea. We also have well, we mm. lost Anatolia. Like. 60 years ago or something. The Judea no, thing also just happened. Like, like, that was with was our previous king, right? Yeah, the Judea thing was, like, two years ago, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I mean, it wasn't the most favorable piece, but, like, we got that. I don't... I guess mm-hmm. it's fine. Mm, I don't know. Well, Demetrius looks at the deal with Judea and sees that it was signed by Antiochus V, and if he was never a legitimate king, I can get a better deal. And this is I null and see. void. Why would you risk it? I mean, I guess. I guess. You know? Sure. But the thing is that most of the rebels had disbanded because of the treaty, so there were only a few small rebel groups still angry. So you can just go down there, mop it up, and print some nice coins saying, we won there. Sure. So Demetrius decided to establish a new high priest for himself, and he sent an army to suppress the rebellion of Judah Maccabee. Right. He sent a first expedition, and that was very successful. So successful that all the rebels were expelled from the main cities and forced to go back to guerrilla warfare. Ah, hey. And since everything went so well, the general in charge just went home. But the rebels then started making more trouble, started threatening cities again, so a new expedition is sent, but Demetrius quickly cuts down on the amount of people sent with it, and they are defeated. So that's not going great. Why is this? Well, because in the east of the empire, remember the Parthians? (laughs) I do. There's essentially previously were steppe people who conquered a bit of the empire and have been Mm -hmm. raiding, making trouble all around. Yeah. Well, they've been getting more ambitious in their raids recently. Their empire has expanded a bit to the east outside of the Seleucid Empire, and now Mm -hmm. they've decided to try and get more juicy things in media, for example. Right. I love that we started with this. Remember the Parthians? <laughs> you know. Ah, <laughs> uh, back in the good old days. But in the East, during these raids, the satrap of Media, a man called Timarchus, managed to win some victories against the Parthians. Hooray! That bit of the empire is secure. Yay. Now, Serial. Yes? <laughs> with your knowledge of what happens in Roman history, uh-huh. can you assume what Timarchus does now that he's won this victory? Um... Have a triumph? (laughs) Nope, more than that. He feels very good about himself. Oh, he's just gonna be like, I will be king now. Exactly. He won a victory and his men proclaim him king. And he's like, okay, cool. Let's march on Antioch. Yeah, that's uh, what we do. Oh, God. Yeah, so that's why Demetrius needed the soldiers from Judea to come and help him. Maybe protect the empire. (laughs) I love that, you know, you give a man an army... And give him a couple victories. And they are like, you know what? I bet I could just march on the city. Yeah, it's one city. All Who's going to stop go me? go there and kill the king. Yep. Yeah, you and what army, me and with this army. 
Yeah. Oh, man. So Timarchus goes and invades Mesopotamia. He attacks Babylon and adds it to his kingdom in 160. Of course. At the same time, guess what he does? He sends a messenger to Rome. Oh. Oh. Okay, are the Romans going to be like, we will support you? Why is he a better candidate, though, than Demetrius? Oh, apart from Demetrius the fact that, you know... Them. Yeah, apart from the fact that Demetrius, like, yeah. literally was like, well, if, if you petty. want... Yeah, if you want help me, I'll do it anyway. Yeah. But, like, they didn't want to support Demetrius because he was a grown man who they couldn't, like, properly influence. And I would say they could, you know? Like, if, if he was tried, incompetent... It's just more difficult. But better than, like, you know, a military general. Because they were like, no, Demetrius is a bad choice because he has no idea what he's doing. I'm like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is better, I guess, yeah. for you guys. So this letter arrives at the Senate, and the Senate discuss this a second, but they make your mm-hmm. argument. They say, well, why is Timarchus better than Demetrius? Yeah. Like, he's... No. <laughs> mm. He isn't. Yeah, so they send a letter back making some vague noises that could be interpreted whatever way you want. They're like, mm. of course we'll support... <laughs> he, has, <laughs> he is the most legitimate king. There you go. Uh, Signed the Senate. How Roman of them. Yeah. So Demetrius then prepares his own army and gathers his forces together and decides to march against Timarchus in Babylon to retake the city and, you know, solidify his legitimacy as king. Right. So how do you think this turns out? Do you think Timarchus wins? Do you think Demetrius wins? Who do you think comes out on top? I feel like... uh, I feel like... Demetrius has to win because we've been recording for like half an hour. So I, I expect more episodes. <laughs> and also, it's not that I have high hopes for him, it's that I have like the. I expect the element of surprise. And like, if we okay, were just sure. defeated by a general right now, like, then what's, what's the whole thing about, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, you're correct through yes. Doylean reasons and not Watsonian ones. I mean, listen, because <laughs> I'm like, this general was probably a much better general than Demetrius. But like, you know, it depends on the army. It depends on a bunch of things. I don't know. Yeah. But apparently Demetrius was capable enough that with his army, he managed to defeat Timarchus and kill him. Oof. Managing to recapture Babylon, from which the Babylonians gave him the nickname Soter, or Savior, for oh, saving please. them from this defeat. I mean, I guess. Uh... Eh. You know, he guess. did something, come on. Yeah, I I understand the position of the Babylonians, but I'm also like, guys, are you sure? I mean, you don't want to anger the king with an army just outside your city. Listen, I am very aware that I am very biased against him. I Poor don't Demetrius. like him, okay? <laughs> I really I don't. you so harsh against him. Because uh, the Romans. <laughs> yeah, but he's going against them. I mean, now... Now that they were actually, no, we won't help you, you know. Yeah, He's just slightly better than Antiochus III. Fourth, I assume. Fourth, yes. Fourth, not third, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Antiochus III is my boy. Yes, he is good boy. Okay, so the East has been pacified. Hooray! I mean, okay, yes, the borders are going to be a more unstable now that the army of Timarchus isn't really guarding the borders against the Parthians anymore. But yeah, you know, like, there was a reason why he was there. Yeah, we'll burn that bridge when we get to it. It'll be <laughs> fine. Are you sure that's the saying? 
In this case, it is. I mean, for the Romans, maybe. So Demetrius now needs to go down to Judea, finish that once and for all. He can have a nice parade at the end. Mm -hmm. So he goes to face the Jewish revolt, and he sees that several important cities were taken by the rebels, and most of Jerusalem was taken. Only the citadel was under Seleucid control. Right. Also, the rebels had sent a letter to Rome. Oh, surprise. Everyone is involving Rome, and I'm like, can we please? Can't you see that this is why Rome is getting stronger? Please don't. Call someone else. Call the Egyptians. Yeah. But they also suck, so. Yeah. Because you have to call someone. So what do you think Rome says? To the rebels? Yes. I know. Do they care enough to, like, intervene at this point? Yeah, Rome's answer is basically, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, good luck with your thing. Yeah, good good luck, guys. We'll, uh, we'll totally mm. support you morally. Yeah, Bye. we send thoughts and prayers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it seems like those aren't terribly effective because Demetrius sends his expedition and manages to recapture the Judean cities right. and force Judah Maccabee himself into a pitched battle. Oh, so no more guerrilla warfare, straight on now. Yeah, we're doing the thing like yes. grown men. And in this battle, they fight each other. The Seleucid army is under a competent general, fully equipped, just victors against the enemies in the east. And they manage to absolutely destroy the rebels and <laughs> kill Judah Maccabee himself in 160. Oh, ensuring see. that now... All of Judea has been pacified. Demetrius builds forts in the region so that he can keep better control done. I love the word pacified. I feel like you should always proceed it with, like, quotation marks, you know. <laughs> pacified. pacified is that nobody Ish. is alive to resist. Yeah. Why would you call it pacified? I mean, it's like, keep lying to yourself, destroying. I guess, you know. Yeah, it's a PR move. Truly. So hooray, Demetrius won! The empire is now stable and at peace. We managed to get a much better deal than Antiochus V did. Mm -hmm. There are no rebellious generals in the east. Mm -hmm. That's good. We can start looking at foreign policy now. So who's on Demetrius' borders? Well, in the east, there isn't really a cohesive empire that he can deal with. It's mostly holding together. He's not really somebody he can negotiate with. Mm -hmm. He has Egypt in the south, but they're also in a bit of a weird period. They're doing their own thing. You're also on relatively good terms with them, so I, let's not. Think when about are it. they not in a weird period? They're never. never. Yeah, I was gonna Maybe say. Maybe under Ptolemy the First at one point. <laughs> it's messy. I love that you're like, ah, oh, yeah, Egypt. Well, you know, eventually we'll, you know, like, will we? There's always something going on. <laughs> eventually it will become a Roman province, and yeah. then they will be at peace. So Demetrius decides, okay, let's look to Anatolia. There is a small local kingdom called Cappadocia. Let's try and be friends with them. Let's try and gain them as an ally. It's always good to make sure our borders are secure everywhere. Sure. So the kingdom of Cappadocia is ruled by a man called Ariathes. And as luck would have it, he's missing a wife. Oh, look at that. Destiny. Yes. So Demetrius looks around his family tree... <laughs> <laughs> and says, oh, look, I have a sister called Laudike. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, I give up. This is as far as I get in this episode. I do. <laughs> Goodbye. You have to finish this without me. I don't want Aww, to do this anymore. Sad. 
No! Just no! Leave Laudica alone! It's a new Laudica, though. This is the daughter of the previous Laudica. This doesn't they, they make it They just have be- the same name. It makes it slightly better, but not... Yeah. I... Okay, so... Yes. So, he says, Ariathes, here's my sister Laudike. How about you marry her and we become allies? Sound good? Now, the problem is that Laudike was previously married to the last king of Macedon. But who cares, right? And the last king of Macedon was just overthrown and killed by the Romans. Uh, uh uh-huh. So marrying Laudike could be implied to be connecting you back to the throne of Macedon. Uh, If you wanted to, you could claim that legitimacy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the problem here is that Ariathes is allied with Pergamon. Remember the guys that own Anatolia now? And they're allied with Rome. So Ariathes thinks, I don't think the Romans are going to like this if I officially claim part of their territory or unofficially do this. Very smart, yes. So he sends a letter back to Demetrius saying, listen, thanks, but... But no thanks. <laughs> would be complicated. Let's not do this. Thank you very much. Fair enough. But Demetrius is now furious at this. He says, okay, well, what do you mean? I am the great king. I'm the king of the Seleucid Empire. I am the second most powerful empire in the Mediterranean. What do you mean you're just saying no? Come on. Mm-hmm. And so he supports Ariathi's brother for the kingdom of Cappadocia. Okay. And with Demetrius's support, the brother becomes king in 158. Okay. But now guess who gets involved? Oh, let me guess. Rome? Yes. Of course. Because Ariathes goes to Rome saying, hey, please, can I have your guy's support? At the uh... same time, Demetrius sends <laughs> an ambassador to Rome and says, hey, no, listen, the brother is on the throne now. He's the one who's meant to be in charge. So what do you think Rome decided in the end? I feel like they will end up putting their nose into other people's business as they usually do. Yes, they choose the absolute worst solution. Oh, fun. Great. Because Love they that. don't choose one king or the other king. They decide the two kings should rule together. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's very smart of them because that will go terribly. Yes. You say, and you they know. play nice. They know. And... There's a clause in the agreement that says, if there are any disagreements between the two, write to the Senate and we'll handle it. Yeah, that's about what I expected. So, yeah. I hate them, but they're smart. (laughs) Yeah, they're good stuff. They know what they're doing. And as you can imagine, as you said, this didn't work at all. So Ariathes, the original king, gathered an army from his friends in Pergamon, dethroned his brother, and made himself sole king. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's not like I was expecting any different. Yeah. So now Demetrius, instead of having an ally on his borders, has an enemy who hates his guts. Yay. Success. <laughs> yes. But now things are about to get worse for you, Serial, specifically. For, excuse <laughs> Why? Because Demetrius was unmarried so far. Oh, no. Please, no. Please, not again. <laughs> and, well, his sister, Laudike... Isn't going to get married to the king of Cappadocia anymore, is she? (laughs) And there aren't any other princesses that are available around the world. So, well, Demetrius decides to marry his sister, Laudike. Hooray! Continuing the terrible fate that all Laudikes have. 
Yes, Demetrius is born of brother-sister incest and has decided to perpetuate this tradition to his own Because children. that will go great. Yeah, not um, ideal. Also, like I said, the fact that it's not the same Laodike makes it slightly better. <laughs> but like, she isn't married slightly. to son. <laughs> yeah, it's not much better. But yeah, so Demetrius and Laodike have three beautiful baby boys, one called Demetrius II, another called Antiochus VII, and another one called Antigonus. A hundred points if you figure out which one is the <laughs> Wait, <laughs> I am assuming that the first two will get to be kings, and they didn't just yes. call them, you know, Antiochus VII. No. Uh, yes, my child. <laughs> Poor Antigonus does not get to be king, or at least not in any way that matters. Honestly, might be better for him. Since this is a history podcast, it can either mean that he dies, or it can just mean that he gets to live a lovely life where he doesn't have to be king, which would be (laughs) great. That would be ideal, although I don't think anybody manages to do that. If you are somewhere in the line of succession, someone will try to use you for their ends. Mm, That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. But, okay, so great, Demetrius has a stable empire, he has heirs to the throne, he has an heir, a spare, an extra spare, just in case the other ones go bad, so perfect, good. (laughs) But the empire isn't going great, unfortunately, because as we mentioned before, the East is kind of working on a skeleton crew. Yeah. Because it had armies 20 years ago, but now Philip, under Antiochus V, took a whole bunch of armies from the east and tried to march on Antioch. So mm-hmm. those guys are gone from the east. Then Timarchus, yeah. just recently, took his own armies all the way from the east, gathered soldiers from the east, and went west and was defeated. Yeah. So that means that now, what is the situation east of Syria? Well, we have that Mesopotamia is rich and a resource for the empire, but it's basically undefended from attacks east. Oh, I'm sure that will go fine. We don't have to worry. It's a big flat area. Sure, it's rich, but... uh. And beyond that, Iran is just only being officially held, really. Like, the main source of authority is this royal road going through Iran and a few Greek cities that were founded along it. And these cities have, like, the bare minimum soldiers guarding them. Mm Mm-hmm. And across all the rest of Iran, there are a series of semi-independent kingdoms, like Persia is one of them, Mm -hmm. or provinces with local governors that might as well be kings because they haven't really received an order from the West in decades, so they've been doing their Yeah, nobody has come to check in anyway. Yeah, so, you know, Demetrius couldn't realistically replace these people because they're the only authority that the locals know, so... yeah. If he tries to replace them, they just officially leave the empire instead of unofficially. Yeah. So rather have some tie to them, right? Yeah, exactly. So, not great. But now we get to have more chaos. (laughs) Because Ah, Demetrius has been at peace for like five seconds. We can't have that. Yeah, he got bored already. Yeah. Because in 160, a brother of Timarchus the satrap of media who rebelled, a man called Heraclides, mm-hmm. found a young boy called Alexander. Oh. And this young boy claimed to be a younger son of Antiochus IV ah. and brother of Antiochus V. So technically, according to line of succession, he was the one who was meant to take the throne. Right. And this is absolutely true because... Well, <laughs> eh. 
<laughs> I see. Basically, the sources that are like Demetrius, such as Polybius, who was his personal friend, mm-hmm. they say that this was just a kid that Heraclides yeah. picked up on the road and said, you look kind of like Antiochus IV. Do you want to be king, yeah. kid? Come with me. But you're also very biased. Come on. Yeah, but they're also very biased. Others, instead, for example, the king of Pergamon, who dislikes Demetrius and has an interest in replacing him, and whose father had also supported Antiochus IV at the time, Mm. well, the king of Pergamon thinks, yeah, this kid is good, this kid is legit, he should be on the throne. (laughs) Let's create some problems. Yeah. Honestly, I also don't like Demetrius, so I don't mind this. (laughs) So the king of Pergamon starts sending a few small raids across the border into the Seleucid Empire to test the water, see how strong the army is. Can we face it? Can we not? Mm, I see. But then Heraclides then brings his child king to Rome huh. and presents him to the Senate. He says, I heard you guys like child rulers. I have one for <laughs> you. Do you <laughs> want to help? I don't know if, I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah, that is true. I was going to be like, I don't know if I would say that. But yeah, of course they do like child rulers because like they get Rome's to rule. Deal. So. Yeah, exactly. Oh, God. But the Romans are busy with stuff. There's trouble in Numidia. Carthage is still vaguely alive and they really want to kill them dead. They're trying to colonize Spain. Greece needs to be pacified. They're busy. So they just send thoughts and prayers to little Alexander. They say, yep. Good luck with it. Hope you have a great time. Hmm. So there's no material support there. But on the other hand, Heraclides contacts the king of Cappadocia, Ariathes, remember with the whole Hmm. marriage mess earlier. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he's in. He wants to replace Demetrius with Alexander. So the northern-ish, the uh, northwestern border of the empire is against Demetrius. Okay. Which is manageable, but not ideal. It's at this point that Demetrius f***ed up. Ah, I love that we've been like, oh, how can we solidify the empire? What can we do to like make sure that I am legitimate, blah, blah, blah. And in the end, like, it didn't matter. No, it didn't matter at all. <laughs> it failed miserably. Because in 154, Demetrius was sending some letters to the Ptolemaic governor of Cyprus. Mm-hmm. And in these letters, he said, hey, if you give me Cyprus... I will give you a ton of cash, and I get to keep the island. What do you say? <laughs> I love that it's like, if you give me the island, I will keep the island. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, he is paying, so I guess it depends how much they care about money. Yeah, I mean, the governor probably doesn't care. You know, he's just a corrupt local official. He doesn't yeah. really care what happens. Yeah, so it's like, okay. Yeah, bad news. This letter is intercepted by Ptolemy VI. Oh, heck. Ptolemy reads the letter and says, Demetrius, what do you mean you want to steal my island from me? It's my Demetrius? island. It's the one yeah, territory friend? we have left from our empire. How dare D- you? Demetrius? My, uh, buddy? Did you mean this? Or like, is it, you know, <laughs> was it a mistake? Yeah. Ptolemy assumes it was not a mistake. He writes yeah. a letter to Heraclides and Alexander. And he says, hey, if you guys need a fleet, you can have mine. Oh, Knock yourselves out. It's on now. So that's terrible for everybody 
Hooray, a civil war. Yay. Also, Ptolemy gives Alexander, who is called Alexander Balas, just to distinguish him from others, yeah. gives him enough money for bribes and mercenaries. So Yay. basically he's financing the whole campaign. Yep. So Alexander's army lands in Phoenicia. Oof, boy. And he takes a few key cities, but Cyril, do you know what's close to Phoenicia? What? Judea. Ah. <laughs> Great. Do you know who's not happy <laughs> with Demetrius? <laughs> the guys whose asses just got kicked? Exactly. Ah, yeah, I see. I see where this is going. <laughs> yeah. So the leader of the new Jewish rebels, who is the brother of Judah Maccabee, at first negotiated a deal with Demetrius that said, okay, I'll fight this Alexander Ballas for you mm -hmm. if you give us more privileges. Right. But then Alexander sends a letter to this leader and says, hey, how would you like to basically be semi-independent and you become the high priest if you support me? Yeah, much better deal, actually. Yeah, and so the rebels are like, okay, yeah, we're going with Alexander, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> As expected. Yeah, Dumi's just tried to send a new letter offering more privileges, but the offer was refused either because... They saw the way the wind was blowing and said, ooh, yeah, yeah we'd like to side yeah, with actually, the winning no. side, please. Yeah. Or because they didn't really trust him anymore because you know, yeah. he's the guy that killed your brother and crushed the previous rebellion. Maybe let's not follow him. Yeah. So, great. Judea is now on Alexander's side. Alexander then captures a series of cities that connect his territory with Egypt. So now mm -hmm. Egyptian armies are marching through the empire. Cool. And Demetrius didn't manage to stop this because he was in Syria dealing with the raids from Pergamon that were going on for a while. And he just realizes, oh no, what do you mean I lost the south of my empire? Oh god, oh god. When did this happen? Yes. Demetrius then sends letters to the east of the empire saying, hey, do you have any spare men? Mm. The east does not have any spare men. Yep, everything is going down. Let me grab the popcorn. Yeah. Also, the East doesn't care which inbred ruler is on the throne in the West. They mm. haven't cared about the East in, like, three generations. Yeah. We're basically ruling ourselves anyway. You sort your crap out on your own, and then yeah. we'll print coins of whoever is in charge. Honestly, like, I, can you blame them? Yeah, I mean, that's a perfectly understandable. The East was just like, yeah, have. we're just here. Nobody pays attention to us anymore. We've had to figure out the things ourselves. Like, at least we're not involved in the nonsense. But, like, then nobody is helping us anyway. So why would we help back? We're also we're being our own seriously anyway. raided by the Parthians. Yeah. We have better things to do. You sort your family troubles out. Mm-hmm. So, Okay. It's only Demetrius with his Syrian troops versus Alexander and his Judean-Egyptian mercenary mix of people heading mm -hmm. north towards Antioch. So using the Ptolemaic fleet, he lands at Seleucia and Pieria. Remember the port of Antioch with the, all the royal tombs. Mm -hmm. In June of 150, Demetrius then rides out of Antioch to meet him in battle with 25 elephants. And Demetrius wins a stunning victory against Alexander. Does he? Yeah. Alexander's forced oh. to retreat and regroup elsewhere. But luckily for him, most of his army survived. So he can regroup well enough. Mm -hmm. 
But now Ptolemy has sent his good friend Alexander a bunch of elephants to fight Demetrius's elephants. Right. So now they're fully even. So the two sides regroup, meet for a second battle, and the two elephant groups cancel each other out, and it was mainly an infantry battle where the two kings fight each other in person in the front lines. Oh, well, that's cool at least. During the fighting, our historian Josephus, who is talking about the Jewish wars and has a cool story with the Romans Mm. when he later comes out, Josephus tells us that Demetrius was fighting bravely in person on the front lines. He's not standing back and giving orders. Mm -hmm. He's actually in the thick of it. And he's on his horse and he's charging into battle, but due to the circumstances, everything is messy, everything is difficult. The horse ran into a bog and got stuck. Oh no! Oh heck. Okay. Very never-ending story. Mm. Oh no! (laughs) Why did you have to? I was like, oh no, but I don't care because it's Demetrius, but now I care. Yeah, you care about the horse at least. No! Ouch. That hurt. Why? So Demetrius is now stuck in the swamp of despair. Alexander's men surround him. But Demetrius gets off his horse, he's on his own, he's surrounded, he goes down swinging, he takes a few enemies down with him, but in the end he's overwhelmed and killed. This is the end. Thus ends the life of Demetrius I, Soter, savior of Babylon. Uh, I guess. (laughs) Thoughts? Like, he wasn't as bad. I just was having too much fun making fun of him. (laughs) like he is a a usurper like any other and like you know with a certain claim to the throne too so not fully you know out of nowhere yeah i mean he was the guy who was meant to succeed in the first place yeah yeah technically yeah i just i hate him because of like getting along with the romans but um i guess he didn't anymore by the end anyway yeah up to a certain point he got uh comfortable being against them but that didn't help him. And surprisingly enough, the Romans didn't really get their revenge on him. They just sat around and yeah. waited yeah, for honestly. the problem to solve itself. Yeah, that's fair. I guess they were like, yeah, this is not going to go anywhere anyway. <laughs> yeah. uh, or at least it didn't come close enough to home that they had to worry. Yeah, exactly. They're busy. They, they're, I think they're busy taking Numantia at this point. Oh, Can't I remember see. the dates exactly, but they're busy beating down Spain. I know of that. Because, not so much because of Spanish history, but because of the video game Imperium and how you have the Numancia campaign (laughs) in there. Which, for those of you who aren't Spanish or Italian, I don't think it was released anywhere else. It's kind of like an Age of Empires video game. It was a really good game. I'm not sure why it wasn't released elsewhere, but who knows. I don't know. I know that only my friends know it, but like anyone from outside... Spain or Italy is like, what game are you talking about? So I don't know. Yeah. They also had a city builder, which was good. So yeah. there we go. Civitas, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Good stuff. Okay, but Serial, are you ready to rate this man and see how he did compared to the rest of his family and the people I he am. killed? Let's do it. Okay, so our... First category is final moments. How good was his death? Getting stuck in a swamp in the middle of a battle and then going down fighting. I think that's pretty I mean, good. Yeah, kind of epic, it. honestly. Yeah, he actually went into fighting personally. He fought for what he believed in. 
and died for it. Yeah. So I feel like it's pretty good. I don't think we've had any other king die in battle, at least not in a not recently. Well, at the very beginning. At the very beginning, did we? We had the epic battle. You're right. You're right. Frowerties died. I remember that. That It was mostly just he disappeared into the mists of history. Yeah. But yeah, anybody else? Maybe Antiochus the second. It's unclear, but I mean the fact that you have to say first, but yeah, the fact that you have to say maybe, I don't know. Yeah, there wasn't anybody who was that good, so I'm impressed for Demetrius' death. I think he died well. Yeah, he did one thing right. (laughs) No, that's very harsh. He did more things right, surprisingly. Yeah, Um, tried. Yeah, no, the death is pretty cool. I would go for like a hmm. Because we usually go for fairly low for the deaths because they're usually not that interesting. Yeah, usually it's just like he died old age or disease yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I think this is, I'm in... Like a seven? Yeah, I was between a six and a seven, yeah. honestly. I'll go for a seven. Go for a seven. Yeah, you know what? I'm going for a seven too. I think that's a good, that's a good plan. I like it. Because it's not super personal, but it's also nice that you get the scene of what's happening. That's good. Okay, so with a 7 and a 7, he gets a 7 out of 10 for final moments. Next category is Battle Hardness. How good was he at war and fighting? Oh, pretty good, actually. Actually, yeah. He did a reasonable job. So when he takes the throne, his first mission is against the rebels in Judea. Mm -hmm. He wins one battle. That's good. He loses a second one, but only because he was dealing with the rebellion of Tamarcus. And he defeats him. He manages to defeat the former satrap of Media, retake Babylon, nominated savior. So that's good. Mm -hmm. He then goes and fully stamps down the rebellion in Judea. Yeah. Which is quite successful. He did a surprising amount of fighting, I have to say. Yeah, it's impressive. And like, considering the period. Which, you know. Yeah, exactly. I did not expect. So wins that rebellion, then he briefly manages to place his own king on the throne of Cappadocia. That's, you know, militarily he makes it. We don't hear of much beyond that but who knows then in the war against alexander balas he manages to win one battle outside of antioch he wins the first battle and then in mm-hmm. the second one they're sort of evenly matched he just died in the end yeah. fighting but he died fighting which is also pretty good for battle hardness he was in the front lines yeah. swinging his sword around honestly yeah good good job demetrius how did the battle go i assume we lost then if he died in battle yeah, it's basically that he died in battle and in the end his forces melted away and said, oh, I, see. I guess this other guy's king now. Mm. The guy who was paying us is dead. Okay, sure, yeah. I guess. Okay, okay. I hope his three children will be fine. Uh, who knows? <laughs> well, I guess two of them get to be kings. So I am maybe curious. You did call them the second and the seventh. Like Demetrius the yes. second and Antiochus the seventh. So you know. Yes, they at least get a number. We'll see how they get a yeah. number, but we'll see they get that, that far. Yeah, how far they go, but <laughs> something happens. Yeah. So battle hardness, I am reasonably impressed. I don't think it's anything crazy. He didn't have any grand conquests, but he won a good amount of battles. Yeah. I'm I'm between a four and a five. I'll go honestly. for a six. A six? Damn, okay. I mean, it was a fair amount of battles. Listen. I'm not, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying I'm impressed that you would say six. 
Well, who else did we give a six to? You gave a six to Antiochus It's just barely the above average. Yeah. You gave a six to Xerxes the first, to Cambyses the second for conquering Egypt, to Fraortes, who's the last to die yeah, in then battle. Maybe, then maybe I'll go with a five. Yeah, five is what you gave Antiochus the fourth. Sure. I feel that it's still... Like, it's good battles, but nothing incredible. It's mostly just fighting against rebels. Yeah, I mean, he did I choose feel them it's a four. wisely, but yeah, that's also part yeah. of sure. strategy. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to actually go to a five because of the personal factor. Because he was yeah. there in the front line swinging his sword around. Exactly. Okay, so you're sticking with five then? Yeah. Okay. So with a five and a five, we get a ten out of twenty for battle hardness. Next category is scheminess. How good was he at plots and subterfuge? Well, we have a whole heist scene of him getting out of Rome and that showing up cool. at the gates of Antioch before anybody could realize what happened. That was fun. I like that. Because, yeah, you have the whole plot about him being there. Okay, don't drink too much. Just remain sober, please. Mm-hmm. Then take the ship. It's actually meant for an ambassador. Oh, it's okay. I'll send my soldiers ahead of me. Yeah. So he does that. That's pretty cool. That's a really good scheme. I enjoyed that. Yeah. It's also nice. It's very colorful. Yeah. Then, as other schemes, he tries to steal the island of Cyprus from <laughs> Ptolemy the Sixth. He fails. Yep. But he tries. I mean, at least he asked politely. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, hey, can I so, have this? Yeah. And just like, okay, if I do? Okay, good. Otherwise... There's no real further scheming there. The rest is mostly negotiations Mm -hmm. with neighbors. He tries to persuade, but it's no real cloak and dagger stuff. Mm -hmm. So I think it's good, but not crazy. I just really like the heist. I think it's very good. Yeah. I just love the detail that we know that, oh, it was a Carthaginian ship going to Egypt and the captain was paid for this thing and they sent the people ahead for the hunting trip. I just really like the detail there. Like really well planned. And we'll record it, because we could just not know yeah. anything about it. Because Polybius but... was in yeah. on it. <laughs> Polybius was helping plan. You say, no, listen, follow my plan now. So I'm thinking four. four? No, actually, you know what? Five with Cyprus. Yeah, I was going to go for a five. Because, you know, it's good. It's n- nothing incredible, but it's solid. It's I remember it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so with a five and a five, he gets a 10 out of 20 for scheminess. Next category is shock factor. How shocking was this man? Well, the escape from Rome, sort of shocking. You can't really blame him. Yeah. No, I, you know. I guess you, Serial, could put in the fact that he tried to ask Rome for help m- multiple times. I don't find that shocking, though. I mean, mm, have you met him? <laughs> fair. It would have been more shocking if he were like, no, I actually despise the Romans. I will rise for, you know. Yeah. Like, no, of course he tried to ask for help. And then, of course, the Romans were like, no, dude, what? No, <laughs> we're not friends. <laughs> Poor Demetrius. <laughs> yeah, then otherwise, a shock factor we have that he marries his sister, as has seems to have become tradition now. Yeah, at this great. point, I don't know if this is shocking anymore. I'd still give it like one point because yeah. it's still new enough that it's weird. And besides that, what does he do? He annoys the wrong people and... It's not too shocking. That's it. Yeah, it's mostly... Yeah. It's pretty vanilla stuff, honestly. 
yeah, I'm going to stick with the one for the sister marriage, but that's it. I can't think of anything else that's yeah. significant enough. So you also going for one? I think so, yeah. Okay, so with a one and a one, we get a two out of 20 for shock factor. Next category is Eren Shine. How good was he for the Empire in general and Iran in particular? Ah! Uh, eh. 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 Like, okay, let's start. He manages to replace a child king with an adult. So that's pretty good. Fair. Not great for stability and legitimacy, but eh. He manages to suppress the Jewish revolt. That's pretty good for the empire. He manages to defeat a rebellion. So he manages to keep the empire stable overall. Mm -hmm. As a positive, he also secures the succession by having three heirs, which can potentially take over after him, which is important to have. He also tries to keep good relations with the Romans. You know, he sends them the golden crown... And the murderer mm. to try and smooth things over. He tries, he tries to make allies with Ariathes and Cappadocia. Doesn't mm. work out. Mm. As another positive, he also fortifies Judea to make it more easily controllable. Yeah. So he does a bit of fortification, which is good. But on the negative side, Iran is now basically empty of soldiers. There are just yep. two guys and a goat on the walls of every city, trying to make sure that the city isn't destroyed. That's it. Iran is basically empty of soldiers. It's basically independent. I'm only counting it as still part of the empire because it technically is, but... Like on paper. Yeah, it's on paper, and a stiff breeze will remove it from the empire. It's not great. Also, as we saw, he manages to anger Ariathes. He loses the support of Cappadocia, loses the support of Pergamon. He angers Ptolemy by trying to steal Cyprus from him. Why so did he? Like, why? Up. Why? I why was this I, a plan? I don't know. Because even if it works, Ptolemy is going to find out he doesn't have an island anymore. Like, yes, you'll yeah. have Cyprus, but at what cost? Like, why do you need Cyprus so bad? I mean, it's a good naval base. It helps you sure, control the eastern like, Mediterranean. Now? But you could have waited, my friend. Not worth it. Yeah. yeah. Not you could have waited for one of the million civil wars the Ptolemies yeah. have and then taken it. But who knows? And then, of course, he loses the empire to Usurper, who may not even be a Seleucid. He may just be some kid off the street that kind of looked like yeah. Antiochus IV. Yeah, true. Because like, whenever an heir comes out of nowhere... So, like, come on. Yeah, it's very suspicious, and we'll judge next time, but based on what the coins look like, I'm more in the, it's probably just some random kid camp, because he doesn't have, doesn't look like the family. I see. So, yeah. no, yeah. it's probably just a usurper. So, yeah, overall, pros and cons, I think the Empire is worse off than it was before. Partially through his fault, partially yeah. not, but, eh? I'm aiming for a three. Because he didn't do a terrible job. He tried his best. He did some good things. But it's just how it ends. It's, you know, the West armies have been crushed. The East has no armies. Mm -hmm. The Romans are hungry for blood. Mm -hmm. What are we going to do? So 
Yeah, three and I'm being generous. Yeah, because it's for, like, getting rid of a child ruler, fortifying Judea, but then that also just went to anyway. I mean, it's just because Alexander came over. But... Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. Like, yeah. he tried, he suppressed the rebellion, he managed to... So maybe that added some the civil war, yeah. And what is the third one? Managed to win the civil war against Timarchus in the oh East yeah okay okay. Managed to save okay. Babylon and make sure it didn't break. I up. guess so a three it's is fair. Good ish, but eh. okay. So let's go with a three. So with a three and a three, he gets a six out of twenty for Aaron Shine. We're very matchy today. Mm. Next category is face of faces. What does this man look like? This is my cute, let me. Yes. Okay, so Serial has uploaded their portrait. Let me get to it and see what they thought. <laughs> I, listen. <laughs> this is beautiful, I love it. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so, dear listeners. This was the best moment of the whole thing, I mean. It was a very good moment. So what we have here is Demetrius, curly hair, dressed in nice robes, possibly a toga. He's probably around Rome, who knows? Yeah. And he has a nice jeweled goblet in his hand and he's about to drink from it when he gets a thought. We have a thought bubble popping out from his head where we see poor old Polybius, scrolls in hand, looking very unimpressed, saying... Don't. Don't. <laughs> Not today, please. Not today. Please don't get drunk. You need to escape. Thank you. <laughs> so, yes, this is excellent, Serial. Thank you so much. You're welcome. <laughs> Very good portrait of Demetrius. And, yeah, if you want to see it in all its beautiful glory, you can follow the link in the episode notes or go on our website to Serial's Portrait Gallery. Because it's worth it. There's lots of cool stuff there. Yay. So now let me show you, Serial, what Demetrius actually looked like. And you can yes, tell please. me what you think of him. Tell me if he looks like what you think he did in all your hate and anger. <laughs> oh, a bit of a, of a curious face than I expected. It has a lot of personality. It's more different than usual. I was yeah. surprised at his face. Not as similar to the rest of the family, I guess. Which is curious. Mm. He's got, instead of a long straight nose he's got a bump on his nose which i appreciate a bit of you know variety good nose variety yeah so the big kind of bulbous eyes that stays kind of the same the slightly wavy hair with a diadem you know as per usual mm. not such a pronounced chin or jawline i think um, he just has more fat on his neck yeah. area that also the chin doesn't like protrude as much for example but like yeah he's just a, yeah, a bit of a rounder guy and big lips as well. So interesting Very face. Prominent, yeah. yeah. I always feel sad looking at these that back in the day we used to have actual curly hair. Now it's just sad, wavy. But oh well. Yeah, you could kind of call it wavy. It's not even like long <laughs> enough to like, you know. Yes. It, was it might just be straight hair. Like it's, yeah. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, so I think it's, I think I, I like the variety in it. It's, yeah. I like that it's slightly different like to the rest of his family. Yeah. Nothing extraordinary, nothing terrible. I'm oscillating around a five plus or minus yeah. two. I'll go for a four. No, at five, a five. I do enjoy this coin. I like his face enough to go for a six, honestly. I think Ooh. it's 
good character face, fancy looks about him. So there we go. We have a five and a four, five and a six. We get a 2.8 out of five for face of faces. Mm-hmm. Nice. Our next category is lengthiness. How long do you think this man lasted on the throne before it was taken from him? Oof. Uh... I have no idea of, like, the (laughs) scope of this. We had some battles and such. I'm going to say five years? Actually, a lot longer than that. Twice exactly. Oh, ten years. Okay. I mean, not exactly. Twice approximately. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Eleven years. Oh, okay. Because he ruled from 161 BC to 150 BC, making it honestly respectable. It's just a year under Antiochus IV. Mm -hmm. So it's reasonably good it's still not a long stable 36 year reign like Antiochus III but eh could be worse so we do our math we divide it by 10 we get a 1.1 out of 5 for lengthiness which leads us to the final score where Demetrius I Soter has managed to gain a total of 38.9 out of 100 points which places him just under Antiochus I And above Diochis. So it's a very respectable position, honestly. I think he did a good enough job at being interesting. Which is fair enough. There was a lot to recommend him for. (laughs) But the question now arises. Was he interesting enough? Running away enough? Next question. Plotty enough to be a Shahanshah, or is he just a Shahanah? I mean, like, don't get me wrong, his story was interesting, and I liked the running away from Rome. I liked the fact that he was given as leverage and as a political prisoner, and then, like, eventually actually came back to the throne that would have been his, you know, yeah, if, if the things arc. had proceeded how they should. So, like, that is interesting. I just... Uh, <laughs> it was fine. It was okay. Just, uh, whatever. It was also not that impressive. I'm more optimistic, maybe because I know what's coming. He was king for a while. (laughs) Like, I don't know. I think that the start of his story is really good, and I Mm -hmm. definitely remember it. I don't think his reign is really worth remembering. Yeah, That's kind of the problem. Like, the story is interesting, but like, okay, nothing much changed. Yeah, I mean... No, yeah, we gave it's... it to Antiochus III. Like, no. We gave it to Antiochus He's IV n- as well, though. Yeah, because he was much more of a mess. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think Demetrius just is missing that little spice there that would have put him over there. Yes. I'm sorry, Demetrius, you're a Shahanna. So you can go off into the desert and talk with Antiochus V and maybe apologize for killing a young teen. That's yep. not cool. And tell yep. him that you got usurped too. Ha ha. Yeah. <laughs> so, there we go. Hooray. That is the end of our episode for today. We hope you all enjoyed finding out who Demetrius was and what his deal was. And let us know if you thought yep. he was terrible as well, if you thought he deserved better. <laughs> I admit I am very biased. Like, touch. it is not logical, <laughs> my hate for him. But, you know... You gotta it's just a visceral live hate. We go by vibes here. Like, that's the yeah. whole point of this podcast. Might as well. And, uh, yeah, so next time we'll find out... Well, we'll look a little bit more into Alexander Balas, if he actually was a Seleucid, if he was right. some random kid off the street. 
is he going to do any better now that he is maybe not a Seleucid? Is the lack of inbreeding going to help? Who knows? <laughs> Find out on next week, I guess. Yes, so join us next week for the episode on Alexander Balas as the end for the Seleucid Empire gets closer and closer with every step. So have a good week, and happy Easter if you do celebrate that. Indeed. And see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.